Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Dave Simonette of Trampled by Turtles is a sweetheart of a dude. I have gotten to play a bunch of gigs with him over the years, starting years and years ago. I remember meeting him, oh, God, I don't know, a decade and a half ago, and being blown away by his energy. Like, he's got – and I'm not saying he, like, jumps around on stage like Iggy Pop or something, but he has – I think what hippies like me might might call a really great energy. Like he's very positive, uh, exudes a lot of like sweet, fun energy. Okay, I know I said energy like 3,000 times in this introduction, but that's what I get from Dave Simonette, and that's why I was excited – to speak with him for Wheels Off, and I'm really happy with the way the conversation turned out. It was kind of everything I'd hoped for. It all, all of that, what I was trying to describe so eloquently moments ago, all of that comes through, I feel like, in this conversation. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. So I'm really excited to welcome to Wheels Off from Trampled by Turtles, the great Dave Simonette. Welcome to Wheels Off, Dave Simonette. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rhett. Um, For the edification of our listeners, from where are you joining us? I am here at home in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Nice. It's probably pretty beautiful. I used to summer in Minnesota, Brainerd, when I was a kid. And it's a great time of of year there. It's kind of a classic uh, lake cabin vibe neighborhood. Absolutely, man. It's great. Yeah, summertime is, is wonderful here. Uh, if you can, if you can do with humidity and mosquitoes, you'd be right at home. <laughs> black flies. I remember yeah, black, black flies, flies. Yeah, yeah. but you do a lot. I mean, this is not what this is, uh, interview is necessarily about, but I'm interested in this. You do a lot of camping, right? Yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in the outdoors, man, for sure. Uh, since I was a kid and now, now with my own kids. 
God, that's so cool. I, you know, I, I won't, I won't get too far into it, I guess, during this, but I, at some point I want to pick your brain about those crazy tents that you are the, the, um, canvas tent. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, spring bar. Yeah. That, that's, it's this great little company in, in, uh, in Salt Lake. I, sh I shouldn't say little company. They're, they're making a lot of tents, but this company in Salt Lake that, that hand makes those, uh, actually my son and I, when we were just on tour, we got to go visit their, their uh, workshop. It's pretty wonderful to see. Well, this is not a paid endorsement, uh, but but I'm I'm pretty excited. My wife asked me what I, I personally like them a lot, so I'm happy to just throw their name out whenever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about them because of you, but yeah, my wife asked what I wanted for my birthday, which is coming up, and I told her the tent, and she said, "I hate camping." I'm like, "Well, I don't." <laughs> this is my birthday, man. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, what what creative project are you working on right now, Dave? And how does it light you up? I am well. I'm. I'm. I don't want to say I'm in between projects because I. I never really like to get there. But uh, with Trampled, we just made a record. Um, so I do. I feel like when that happens, when we finish a, an album, I go into a little bit of a vacation mode for a bit. But I have been writing um, now because we we did that. When was that? November we recorded. Um, so I've just kind of started getting back into writing as much as I can in the summer. I. I don't. I don't. Typically, do a lot of of like in my studio working on songs in the summertime. I usually it's a lot of like lighthearted kind of writing exercises and maybe a song or two here and there. Um, I've started to get back into that mode, and I can kind of feel fall coming around the corner. So I, I get excited for that because I kind of hunker down and write all fall usually. That's so funny. I've never really heard anybody describe it seasonally like that. How how come you think you wound up with this uh, schedule? I, uh, I honestly, I think it's just because it was the one that worked. Uh, I've tried, I mean, like a lot of writers, I feel like I, I first of all, I have a hard time sticking to a schedule uh, <laughs> at all because of probably my line of work. Uh, second, I, I've, that being said, I've tried lots of different schedules and some from the advice of friends, some that I've read about, um, just, just to try to keep myself working because I feel like, self-motivation is the hardest you know and um but i found that i feel like i move with the seasons the the best it's the most natural for me so and living in a place like minnesota where they're all very distinct you know it's like winter is is winter here and it's dark and it's like it's freezing cold and and i get so much writing done in the winter in the fall and early spring and then spring and summer come and it's um you know like you know from being spending summers in minnesota it's just outside time and the kids are out of school and we're touring a lot in the summer and so i kind of resolved to be like you're allowed to take summer off and just go do other stuff man go fishing and um you know i keep like i said i keep up with the kind of little program of writing exercises that i keep doing to keep the gears working and uh, but I don't try to write anything on purpose in the summer. Uh, what is this program of writing exercises? Is it something avail available? To no, I maybe I'll make it available someday. <laughs> That'd be a good idea. It's just kind of a hodgepodge of stuff that I've either made up or heard about from people. Uh, Jeff Tweedy has a great book, How to How to Write One Song. And yes, it's fantastic. There's a lot of great exercises in there. I stole a few of those. Yeah. Um, not stole. I think they were pretty much offered up to everybody. Yeah, that's the uh, idea. Yeah. And so that kind of stuff, like little things you can do on an airplane or that you can do, you know, in the 
in the 10 minutes you got before everybody else in the house wakes up or whatever, that kind of stuff. And I feel like if I keep up on that, then when I'm, when I was like, when I sit down with a guitar or a piano or something and I, and I feel like making a song and then I, then the writing comes along so much easier to me if I've been moving that brain around a little bit in that way. Do you have a couple of those that you can think of off the top of your head that you particularly like that, as an example? Yeah, uh, one one that I, I really do every day is, is, I think it's called a fountain poem. And you can take a book, magazine, whatever is around, and can set a, a number of words for yourself. For example, I usually do 12 words. And just pick 12 words at random and write them down uh, on a piece of paper. And then you write a poem and you have to use every word on that group. And so I try to pick words that I don't normally say or use in a song or whatever to kind of make myself think about it. Um, and I got I have notebooks full of those weird little poems, man. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and I often get stuff out of it too. I get lyrics out of those quite a bit, actually. It's just that I think anything that um, it's not a new idea, but I think anything that lets your brain uh, write in a way that you're not thinking consciously about it, I feel like is really good and gets because I, I don't know how you are, but with me, I get I find myself hitting the same words a bunch or getting in a similar cadence or something like that. And it's just something to get you out of your comfort zone. That's great. Yeah. Coming at something sideways, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the older you get, it's, it's trying to do the same thing over and over again in, in a new way, find new ways to do it. And uh, Jeff Tweedy produced the new record, right? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was our first time working with him and it was great. And you did it at their place in Chicago. At the loft. Yeah. The loft. And wow, that's fantastic. Was it a different process for you or was it kind of like you show up with the songs rehearsed and then make them sound good? Well, we show up with, I show up with the songs yeah. not rehearsed at all. <laughs> uh, the band hadn't heard really much of them, which is kind of our usual, yeah. <clears throat> usual modus operandi. Like I, I will usually have a pile of songs that I've written and then we're, you know, in hopefully in time because it, I, I still can't get used to like scheduling stuff so far ahead. And so it's, it's like, shit, we got to make a record in two weeks. Uh, <laughs> writing like crazy or whatever. But I usually come with them and we usually, usually just kind of learn them. Everybody learns them in the studio. And most often we, we do a lot of it live, which, which in this case, we did the entire record live. I think there was some harmony. There's some harmony vocals that were overdubbed. And we had to fix one thing. I think that was it. Otherwise, we sat in the circle. And I sang everything live, um, which is really fun for us to do. It's a, it's a challenge, you know. You have to accept a certain amount of error. Yeah. Uh, in any, because if you got five takes of that, you know, there's some somebody did something they didn't like, and in each one of those, and it, you know, you know the deal. It's like if you if you mess up, then you have to redo the whole song. So it's kind of a cool creative limitation. I feel like, and I. Our band likes to work that way, so I'm glad Jeff was into that. Um, but he he really helped arrange really every song. I, I I don't think there's a song on there that didn't have a chord changed around or uh, a verse moved or a bridge added or taken away and that kind of stuff, which I really appreciated the insight there. Yeah, and from Jeff too, you know, that's it's coming yeah. from a place of, of real yeah. experience. Well, it's funny. When I think of your band, I think of... Um, you know, like incredible musicianship, right? Like the bluegrass uh, roots. Um, it's like you guys, it, it makes the most sense, I would imagine, to have you sit and play something and, and a lot of improvisation, I would imagine, making it up as you go. 
Yeah, I, we've done it. We've done it the other way too. And this, I, you know, in other bands, I've had a lot of fun being like a, in the surgical studio kind of environment. Um, for me, it generally turns into a giant rabbit hole from which there is no escape. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if I have like unlimited time and it takes or whatever, I, it's not a healthy space. I also really like. There's something that happens, and I think most of the guys in my band will disagree with me, but there's something that happens in the first couple times somebody's ever played a song. Before, they're just like make kind of following along and exploring a little bit, not trying to play it right, just trying to like follow along. And there's some magic that happens there, uh, and it, you know it doesn't happen later. It doesn't happen after somebody knows it, uh, or after somebody's like, oh, now we're trying not to mess up. Um, so I like to try to capture that. And sometimes you get it, I, I, you get something we like out of it. So oftentimes not, but there is something cool to see there anyway. I wonder if it's something about taking it for granted or something. Like now I know the song and now while I'm playing it, I'm making a grocery list in my head or something. Right. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. You're not, not really focused on the song anymore. Uh, and different people record in different ways, you know, but there's there's something about uh, that, that record light when that comes on, it, it messes with your head too. You know, so trying to capture something as casual as possible. I, I've always loved that at, at the first attempt anyway. And sometimes you end up having to beat it to death anyway. But <laughs> It's funny that you bring this up because it comes up a lot. The idea of perfection, because now it is theoretically within our grasp um, as musicians. And I think in a lot of different artistic media, but certainly in music, you know, we can all achieve perfection, everything to a grid, every note perfectly on pitch. And um, the what you're describing, sitting around in a circle and playing it imperfectly together live, it seems like that's, I would imagine, uh, offers something a lot more special than if it's, everything's snapped to a grid and perfect. It does to me. I think that some people, you know, love the perfection. And to them, that's their highest achievement or something. But I don't in really any part of my life. <laughs> and um, I, I really like the humanity of, of playing music with other people and having a tempo that that stretches and um, sometimes pitches that stretch a little bit and all of that. And there's, you know, no matter what, right, if you could, we can cut off a song and make it sound perfect, but it wouldn't sound like us. It wouldn't sound like what we sound like, which um, I don't, that's just where our comfort zone is, you know, and there's also... How do I say this? There's a thing where it's like there's a there's a vibe or something that happens when a band that plays together a lot. I mean, 97 probably have the same thing in the studio. If you play together a lot, you have a thing together. When you do it live, uh, it it's this thing. And when you cut it up, if you if you do everything separate and make it, it can sound like you guys playing, but it, it's missing something. And it's kind of like that unnamed uh, it's chemistry or whatever it is. I haven't heard a plugin that can do that quite yet. You know, I, I think of it as humanity, right? It's missing the humanity. Yeah. yeah. And it's, that's uh, all of a sudden, it's funny that that's, that's all of a sudden become like an old fashioned idea in recording. Like, I know. Uh, I mean, and science fiction has warned us about this stuff. I know. It's like, it's like the, the greatest, most rare commodity is, is, is imperfection. Yeah. I'm a, I, I feel like I get real, real romantic about that, about imperfection in any art. I think it's, it's, that's what makes it unique and it's your signature on the thing. You know what I mean? Like, like you said now, and I don't know if a lot of the listening public, however, understands that you can make things perfect now. Uh, you know, like we, we've all been, we all spend time in the studio. So we see it happen. You can see something on a grid. You can see, right. They can see auto tune happening. 
but most people that digest music out there don't have any idea what goes on in a studio. And so they don't know that that's what's happening. And, you know, maybe it's now because that that's become a new standard, bands like us just sound bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, or, or maybe, you know, trampled by turtles scratches an itch because people are so feel so sterile, like they're walking through such maybe. a sterile environment. I like to think that, but <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. But I, I know for me, when it comes down to it, you know, we all at a certain a certain amount of what we do we do for ourselves right like i uh love it if somebody likes our record but i didn't make it with them in mind i made it because this is how we like to go in and this is what i enjoy i enjoy playing next to my my brothers in that band and sitting next to them i can hear them without my headphones on you know i can just play music with them and then our record sounds like that and some people like that and some people don't whatever but i like that you know i love it yeah, that's that's a constant uh, refrain in these conversations that um, when something is calculated to try and appeal to the listener, yeah. it, in, inevitably it stinks of desperation and fa fails. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I guess I um, I don't want to say I've never tried to do that because that sounds a little holier than now, but uh, it's, it's definitely low on the, on the priority list. <laughs> Uh, but I, you know, I don't know if you can get away from thinking about what people are going to think, you know, as, as something that is as somebody that makes things and puts them out to the universe. It has, I mean, you're like some kind of Buddhist monk, if you can honestly say that you've never cared about what other people think of your work. But um, as when you're when you're making it, though, I feel like it's important to try to forget that as much as possible. Uh, do you remember when it all started for you? Did, did you have a moment where you knew you were going to be a musician for your whole life and and make make this your your world? Or was it before your consciousness set in? How did it start for you? <laughs> Maybe. I, I remember wanting to do it um, in high school before I played. I remember wanting that, thinking that that was, you know, I think I was 15 or 16 and listening to bands and be like, I, I want that. I want to do that, you know. I don't know how because I didn't have I play an instrument or anything. Uh, I bought a guitar from my one friend that I knew that played guitar. I sold me this old, like, really high action Yamaha acoustic. Uh, from the <laughs> and that was my first guitar. And then I, from then on, it was just locked in. I, I mean, I, I did, I played on stage way before I should have been playing on stage. You know, I, I was like, <laughs> I, I'm more nervous now to play on stage than I was when I started. I had like, a, I don't know. I wish I could reach back and get that back. Just this dumb, like, I mean, it was probably just being dumb. It might've been all it was. Just didn't know any better, you know? Uh, but I, yeah, I would get up and play at open mics since I've written like one song, play cover, <laughs> just to play. Um, and I loved it. And uh, it's, it's really, yeah, since then I, I've never, I'm done lots of other things, right? Cause I haven't been able to make a living at this forever, but um, this was always always what I wanted to do since I can remember. But there were there were years where you had to carry a, a proper job alongside oh, music. Most, yeah, most years since between then and now, for sure. So lots, I got a lot of variety in my life during that time. Some restaurants, a lot of construction work for me. Um, I got I was on my, my favorite was probably I was on a log home. Our banjo player and I the other day, Dave Carroll and I were on a log home building crew. Uh, in Silver Bay, Minnesota, which is way up on the north shore of Lake Superior, right across the street from the lake. Um, and he and I built built log homes there for a summer and a half or something like that, which is pretty cool. God, I bet you were ripped. 
yeah, yeah. It's it's a little, a little better for that than touring in a band. <laughs> Was there a moment where you realized that you didn't? And, and and I've actually spoken to a number of artists who also have jobs, right? And yeah. and and it's it's become clear that there's there's no shame in working a proper job and making your art. Like that's oh, no. a that's a kick-ass thing. And most people actually, most people wind up doing that. Agreed. But um, but I wonder, was there a moment for you where you knew like I'm I'm gonna get to just do music now for Yeah. It took a, I tried it a few times uh before it's before it stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, there was a time we were really young and we, we had this uh maybe you guys did too, but we had the timing for me, I feel like has a lot to do with what you're talking about. So when we started, we were in our early twenties. Nobody had kids, and we owned a house, yeah. and so we were pretty, pretty uh, free, you know, to do that. And so we wanted to go on tour. I think at that time I was, like, I was a prep cook at a pizza restaurant, and it was all just like we, we all, everybody, at least we are in Duluth. This was in Duluth, Minnesota, which is a, uh, um, where our band started out, and it had a really, really great music scene. And now all the people in the bands there, you pretty much just try to find a job that'll let you leave town to play music. And so there was a particular restaurant in town, Pizza Luce, that uh, my friend owned. And and the whole kitchen's full of bands, you know, because <laughs> there was, they, they, they were just cool with it. They had a stage there. There was also a venue. Uh, so it was this great, really great, like, time of life. And it was easy. Like, yeah, I could take two weeks off and make no money on the road and come back because I pay like, you know, next to nothing in rent. And it was just kind of a sim- simple existence. So there was a time then when we all quit our jobs. They were those jobs. And we went on tour and then went broke and had to come back and get jobs again. And then we did that again and again, you know. And, and I think the last, um, I can't even say the last time because during during that little shutdown we had for a couple of years, I went and worked with a friend of mine um, doing remodeling. So that was actually the last job I've had was two years ago. But uh, <laughs> before that, the last kind of steady job was I remember it was 2010 because it was kind of, I had like a it was a real like it's like not take your job and shove it kind of thing because I was working for a friend of mine. But uh, it was like that's it, um, I'm done. It's it's too much to do both. At that time, Trample had started touring a lot, and I'd come home for a week, and I was roofing at the time. I'd come home for a week, and I'd go on the roof and work, and then I'd go on tour, and then I was just getting exhausted, and I, I had to pick one, and it sure as hell wasn't going to be roofing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God, I love it. Well, your your Minnesotan work ethic is showing through. It's, it's so great. Notorious. Um. So I, I wonder about when you, because um, I, I, I sense that you commune with nature as a way of dealing with, you know, uh, anxiety and stress. Um, but I I know that everybody I talk to has uh, some demons or inner voices or, um, you know, self-created, self-generated obstacles that they have to overcome. And I wonder for you, when you come up against that kind of stuff, negative voices in your own head, um that kind of anxiety how what have you figured out as a way through that uh that's a good question because you're right man i I think everybody has that you you kind of nailed it in the beginning though for me it is the outdoors and um when i when i'm home 
you know, in between touring, it's, it's a lot of that, a lot of that spent, uh, fishing, camping, hunting, that kind of stuff with now, uh, now with my family. Um, and that's where I go. That's where I go to kind of, to wash the slate clean. And obviously you can't always just like go on a big camping trip or something. So smaller examples of that. Um, I live in Minneapolis here and I'm, I'm, three blocks away from the Mississippi river. And so I go walk, walk with my dogs down there and just, just to get some kind of the natural world in me pretty regularly, if not every day. Uh, I find that I, when I don't have that, I start to go on those, those roads a little bit more. Um, so for me, that's what seems to work on the road, uh, which is where a lot of those, I feel like a lot of the, 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 the kind of darker stuff maybe shows its face. Um, I found for me, and I, I know I just preached about not being able to stick to a schedule, but when I'm on tour, I, I, I found like routine has helped me with that. So, um, trying to get as good sleep as possible, which is not always possible. Um, exercise, writing, I have, I have a kind of a schedule that I keep myself to a pretty, pretty I don't want to say rigid, but pretty, pretty, uh, regular schedule on tour. And I spend a certain amount of time. I, uh, I work out, I write for a certain kind of the same time every day ish. Um, you know, I, I, I dabbled in, in meditation for a while. I didn't really stick, but I found like even just walking around, walking around the city and that kind of stuff, but getting kind of a regular routine in my day really made my mental state a lot, a lot more stable on tour. And when you say writing, are you talking only about songwriting or have you tried no. it prose? and poetry yeah, prose whatever at most most of that is is uh like my tour writing days is kind of similar to what i was talking about before it's like it's stream of consciousness a lot of that stuff sometimes i'll have a specific project in mind i have fantasies about writing prose a lot and i do have some that i start and i've never really like i had a commitment or a project that fully uh materialize in that world but i still write it for fun uh, I've been working on a book of poetry for like three years. <laughs> so that's, nice. uh, it's kind of become an inside joke now. <laughs> <laughs> so I work on that and that's all very therapeutic for me. I think, I think whatever it is, that's really important for people on tour, especially to find something like to put your energy in, in the 23 other hours of the day that you're not playing a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And cause it's really easy to just float around, man. And, and, and if you are prone to depression or anxiety or any of that, um, it'll just get amplified when you're living that life, in my experience. Not for everybody, probably, but. Yeah, that's I feel like that's something people don't realize. And I remember um, my guitar player, Ken, years ago, used a word that that I think about a lot. It's uh, it's sort of anti anti intellectual like it. it um, although I feel like the the bigger problem is more about maybe the soul is being being on tour does tend to it wants you to be a zombie right and it and that's how people that's how people wind up you know drinking too much or doing too many of them so easy man it's just you so know? you got to turn like, the brain off you know people i feel like there this might be a conjecture but i feel like there might be it's easy for people outside of the world to maybe even judge that until you know but nobody you know nothing against insurance salesmen but no no like if you took that insurance salesman and all of a sudden gave them free access to whatever booze, drugs they want, whatever, women, all of the things, all of the vices that that uh, are out there. Um, you know, how would you handle it? You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, it's like it's like you're 22 or something like that. And everybody's just giving you everything, you know, and 
it's this wild great adventure it's great but like you could i'm just saying like you could see how people can go off the rails and also it's it's a job where they sort of mythologize that kind of a lifestyle right which i feel like is changing i think it is too i and i'm thankful for that because i think a lot of people have you know gotten sick or maybe even died because of that romance there and it's you know it's not cool to be depressed and drunk all the time i'll tell you though like you're not like i I love tom van zandt man but people you know people like romanticize character caricature is probably like that because i mean when i've been in head spaces that have been negative or i've been you know i've been down whatever i don't make anything i don't i don't i don't know i mean i don't know anybody that writes songs when they're depressed and and you know like strung out and so that's it is not cool to be it's not like rock and roll I mean, that, to me to be that way you know so i i hope i feel like the myth of that's being shattered a lot more nowadays than it used to be thank god yeah. um so okay uh this is great i feel like this is so much really useful stuff that you're sharing i'm wondering if you might be willing to try and uh distill it down into one piece of advice if you were to run into a 21 year old version of yourself <laughs> But in, in, in today's world, uh, what advice might you, might you give your younger self? Um, well, I think, I think I would try to tell young Dave to write more, to focus more on that part of, of this whole kind of musical journey. It's like spend more time. It took me a long time to figure out that I really like to write. And then, then when I, work at that that brings me the most fulfillment in in music and so for me it would i think i would have saved myself a lot of trouble a lot of detours if i could have focused a little bit more on um you know the craft of of making songs instead of like partying and (laughs) you know that stuff on tour but you know i also there's also a big part of me right where i would say i wouldn't change a thing because i'm a pretty happy guy and who knows what would have happened um I also maybe say try to get a little more sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's so sweet. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for... Thank, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time and the interest. It's great. This is great. I can't wait to hear the new record and for people to hear the new record. And I just... Uh, and I hope we get to cross paths in real life soon. Yeah, me too, man. I'd love that. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Osiris. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history 
conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.